Welcome to Engaging Parenting, the Bridgeway podcast on parenting kids and teens. We're here to talk specifically about the glorious and terrifying work of parenting teenagers in our culture by being spiritually and culturally informed as essential and discussing practical tips on how you can parent confidently and watch your teenagers thrive. My name is Pastor Cliff and I'm here with Pastor Matt. And just for all of you listeners out there to know, this is a PG-13 podcast. So if you're listening um, in the car with your kids, um, this might not be a podcast for you to listen to. But yeah, listen to today's it later. subject is going to be a little bit more vivid than normal. So if you have younger kids or people that you don't feel comfortable hearing this, just preparing you in advance. Yes. And if you listen to our last episode, if you haven't yet, pause this one and go back to our last episode. Um, but we're in this conversation about teenage relationships and, and teenagers dating one another. And we want to remind you guys that uh, you as the parent are one of the only um, influencers of a teenage relationship. Um, you establish um, principles, you establish uh, rules, and you establish a lot of things that goes into a teenage relationship. And so as we talk about what we're talking about in this episode, just remember that you are one of the main person, people that sets the tone for um, a student. Whether they listen to you or not, they actually do listen to you at some point, um, <laughs> especially if you model it like we talked about last episode. So, And then that's where us as youth ministry, as a youth pastor and as a youth ministry, we kind of come in and help just a little bit on on the back end side of things. Yeah, it's uh yeah, keep keep repeating the thoughts and the principles because you start that when they're younger and then you carry that through into this um season of adolescence and puberty when the hormones are raging and all that kind of stuff. And so when that's when that when you're repeating those things and then we as the church and the church community are also reasserting those things and then that's instilling into their friendships, that helps shape all of this. But we're going to Again and again, I will continue to say this, that youth ministry and a, a parent relationship should be a team. Um, we are in this together. Uh, by no means are youth pastors or youth ministries supposed to set rules for, for a student. That's your job. Um, but when we're in tandem and when you communicate with us, that's when this team really, really flows Amen. together. Amen. So we're, we're going to dive right in into you know what happens when your son or daughter you find out that they're thinking about having sex or even greater, um, you found out that they've had sex and maybe they share it or something comes up or um, you find out they did something that is sexual activity, but they don't consider it sex. And so this is where <laughs> there's so much to talk about, um, but we have to kind of talk about it kind of in a couple different aspects because we talked about on our last episode about how we have to be very clear that the way that we as Christians do life and relationships is different than the rest of the world. Yeah, and so we're trying to establish that um, and and help our our students understand: Do they really believe and have conviction about following the way of God? Because really, they're they're going up uh, against a major battle in our world and our culture that's going to tell them: Yes, 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 do it, do it, do it, do it. And we're saying: No, 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 do what God desires. And this is where even as you set it up as a parent becomes a big deal because a lot of students and not just from their families, but also from the church, they become actually very suspicious to the biblical definitions and purposes of sex. Yeah. Uh, they look at it and they go, Hey, we're being told that it's almost like this evil. That's only for procreation. And so you're not supposed to enjoy it and it's dirty and wrong and sinful. And that's actually a misrepresentation of what God has in scripture because um, you know, sex is not supposed to be something that's gross and something that's supposed to be dirty yeah. or something that's supposed to be sinful. It's supposed to be done in the right time 
um, with the right person, right before the Lord. And so, and a lot of a lot of students don't hear that, and so so sometimes they they kind of get they misread what they're being taught and what they're being told, and so they have to understand that this is something that we have to assert to them as parents, as as church community. This is a gift of God. Yeah, he gave us to share with our spouse. Um, it's beautiful. It's what God intended. Um, but again, um, you have to follow His intent because God created sex. He created sex, and so what is His purpose? What is His intent? But here's the issue, and I'll kind of be the devil devil's advocate here for a second. Um, yes, that's what they're getting on on the church side of things and the parent side of things. But um, in in on TV shows, movies, social media, everywhere. It's this idea that sex is is pleasurable. Sex is the best thing that could uh-huh. ever happen to them in their entire world. Like you need to stop everything that you're doing and have sex. Yeah. Um, and so these are the two different voices that that your student is getting right now. So they're trying to figure out what is right because here's the reality: every human wants to feel good. Every single human that walks into any room wants to feel good. They want the dopamine release. They want the, that dopamine. Oh, that release. feels great. Um, I remember just the other day, um, I was thinking about all this stuff that was that was going on, and I literally thought in my head, I just want to feel good for a second, right? And and I had to remember, I'm like, that's I'm that's not the goal. <laughs> the goal is not to feel good, and we have to help um, cultivate that conversation with our teenagers, saying, Hey, I know you want to feel good because I totally get that response. I understand that feeling, but don't let that feeling drive your action. Yeah. Um, because when we allow that feeling to drive our actions, that's when these teenagers make the decisions that they don't want to make. Because I've been there um, all of my life. I've been in and out of relationships like I talked about this la- uh, in the last episode. Um, I haven't gotten to a point where, where I've, I've had sex because I'm waiting until marriage. Amen. Now, it's been very hard. Um, I'm not perfect. I've crossed lines um, in, in previous relationships. But I know um, and I'm proud that I've, I haven't made that decision yet because I know it's it's something that's held for marriage, not because it's only for procreation, but when it's done under the right umbrella yeah. um, of of the covenant of marriage, it makes it great. Trust yeah. me, there's so many different sex jokes out there that I hear all the time um, from Christians, and they're real. They're saying like, "Oh yeah, sex is great," like blah blah blah, all that stuff, which I'm sure it is. Um, but um, we have to remind our students that yeah, we have to understand that there's two different. Um, views yeah. that these kids are getting. Oh, and let me add a couple other pieces to like what the world's concepts yeah. throw out because the yeah. world will tell the, tell everyone, not just teens, that sex is the primary expression of love. Yeah, and so they believe that. And there's yeah. movie clip that's after so, movie yeah, clip, TV clip so after TV clip. Um, they've sexual stimulation has become so easily available, um, and so you know it puts that out there. They tell you that sex is what makes you feel special and have worth. And so especially that aspect of belonging and companionship that you were talking about in our last episode, to them, they hear that you are not fully belonged or, or, yep. or brought into companionship unless you've gone all the way. Yep. Um, they tell you, you have to, it has to rely on your feelings to determine whether it's right or proper. And they'll also tell you that there's no consequences, right? And we live yeah. in a world where now they're saying, no, exploit, enjoy yourself um, without any concern for yourself, for others, or for the future. And because we have birth control, because we have condoms, because we have all these things, they go, there's no consequences. So you can go in and just merely enjoy this. And they also tell you, practice makes perfect, right? Isn't yeah. that such a, a piece that still comes out that if you don't do it, you'll never know how. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, I've heard this from students so many times when they've tried to justify it. 
They'll say, well, you know, you have to do the baby steps. You have to learn how to walk, you know, before your wedding night and so on, so on, uh, and all those pieces. And so we live in a world of sexual excess. And like you said, how are we supposed to talk to our students about that? And and this is where, um, you know, we have to start helping them understand what what is sex, Yeah, you know? Um, I, I know one question we used to ask the teenagers is, do you think sex ed actually prepares you? For like the ones under, they have in under, schools, understanding, yeah. yeah. And this is what's funny is even Christian parents will sometimes be so critical about sexual education, and yet the question goes: Is are you as a parent, yeah, giving the education? Because if you go, I don't like how they're doing it, but then you're not speaking into it as mm-hmm. a parent, then really something else is shaping that for your kids. And so, um, so this is where I, I think another tool that we've used talking to students before, it's a great one for you to access. And again, it's Dr. Les and Leslie Perot, um, is on how to, they have a book called how to make bad relationships better and good relationships. Great. And they talk about how to talk through that. How far is too far? Because this is always I love that question. what students are really asking. Like you, sometimes they'll do it anonymously and sometimes it comes up. But what is too far? What is the line? And, and really the question itself is an anomaly because it's not just how far is too far because they're really, they're really asking the wrong, the wrong question because you're really supposed to be asking when is the right time. Yeah, First, but yeah. yeah, and even when you ask that question, uh, most of the time I tell students this: if you're asking the question of how far is too far, you've been you've gone too far. <laughs> yeah, because we have as soon as we know we've gone too far, we're like we have this feeling of of guilt. Some uh, now some teen- teenagers have this, some others don't. Uh-huh. But those who are, are trying to live their life for the Lord, they have this feeling of regret and all of these things, which those are not feelings from the Lord. And that's a whole different episode. Um, but they come to us and they ask that question of how far is too far. Yeah. When, if you hear that question, you should have in the back of your head being like, well, they've already gone too far. Yeah. Um, and again, help them through that processing. And where this book helps is it kind of gives you a little bit of, it's like nine different levels of helping you understand, even as a parent, if you didn't remember this already, because we've, if you're a parent, you've went through all these stages in some way, shape or form Yeah. Um, because you've obviously had kids, but, um, but I'm going to walk through these. They are a little bit um, detailed. So um, super detailed. Number one is embracing and handholding. That's a general physical intimacy scale. Very, very general. Right. And that one's safe. Um, polite kissing on the lips. This is just the, the, the single first kiss. peck, you know, first um, kiss that makes the heart flutter. <laughs> just one little peck. Um, then there starts becoming passionate total mouth kissing. Some people will call this French kissing. I actually often mention to students um, and people in Bible classes when we talk through Song of Songs that Song of Songs actually talks about passionate open mouth kissing in that book, which means that way before the French ever came up with it, the Hebrews, um, the Jews came up with it. But uh, but it's one of those things that a lot of people don't recognize that what's happening biologically with passionate open mouth kissing um, it's actually the beginning of the sexual process. Yeah. So, so and this there's, is, there's is this... hormones being released, there's chemicals being released, and it's actually supposed to be a level of foreplay going on. Now, sometimes I say this and students are like, are you trying to say we can't open mouth kiss? I'm saying, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that when you're doing, you're getting your body biologically, physically ready to go farther. And so yeah. then people are always wondering why it started with just making out and then became more. And it's because you're starting something physically. So so sometimes I, I do coach people 
not to <laughs> start doing that because it's very risky. Um, then it becomes intense. This is step four, intense and prolonged total mouth kissing. So whereas you can have a passionate total mouth kiss for like five seconds, that's one thing versus 30 minutes, <laughs> right? And yeah. or longer. Um, and then it starts becoming fondling of the breasts, the genitals outside the clothes, um, where it starts becoming a caressing that's working towards sexual stimulation. Then it starts going underneath the clothes is level six. Level seven, they talk about it being oral or genital stimulation to orgasm outside the clothes. And then again, under the clothes. And then step nine becomes genital intercourse. And again, this is just to kind of show that people have to realize that there's a, a process. And when they're saying how far is too far, I mean, you have to know as a parent, which level are you going to address it at? Because if you're just saying don't have sex, don't have yeah. intercourse, there's a lot of you other have to things. understand there's a lot of other things that bring them towards that, that you have to be bringing up and you have to um, kind of go to. But but with that being said, I mean, you have to determine as a parent the boundaries that, that again, yeah. when is this going too far? But let's – we'll kind of come back to that question in a second. But what what about Cliff when they – when the – the teenager has come up and they've shared with you, they've had sex. Yeah. Um, and some of you listening to this podcast, you've probably had that conversation. Your, your student, um, probably got the courage to tell you now, before we even go to any more praise God that they had the courage and they had this, uh, the feeling of feeling safe to tell you that. They, here's the thing. They cared enough about they, you. They cared enough about you this. to tell you that. And, and I know a lot of us, are, our first things we think about when we hear that our, our son or daughter had sex, we want to react. We want to react. We want to send them to the room. We want to blow up. And we're like, why are you doing this? You know that was a bad decision. Ah. And those are, oh, those are feelings. And those feelings are accurate. But I, I want to be clear here for a second that in that, in that conversation, we want to make sure that we don't react and we want to respond. Um, if you have your son or daughter come up to you and say, Hey, I, I, I had sex, my boyfriend and I, my girlfriend and I, we had sex. I mean, a, a really great question would be, okay, what happened? Or, uh, why did you make that decision? And kind of allow yourself to put your mind in their mind and try to think how to, why they, they made that decision because there's so many factors to as why students make this this choice. Mm -hmm. Now it goes back to the whole, like where, where's the line as pastor Matt's been talking about, like, where's the line? Uh, I think it's very hard um, to even draw a line with every single teenage relationship. Yeah. Because as soon, I know even in an experience, you know, counseling other teenagers in relationships, as soon as they start doing this and this happens and this happens, and then they come up to you and they say, Oh, that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. Well, you got to be smart about it. Um, and I'm going to talk about my little tips here later in the episode about how to be smart mm -hmm. as far as, um, boundaries. Um, but again, when we get to this point of they've had sex, um, there's different choices as to why they make them. And pastor Matt, what are, what are some of the, the choices that, so, that they usually so make? some of your students, they'll, they'll share with you. It kind of just happened. Right. Yeah. That's that's very much a, a reactive choice that they're they're again showing that they didn't recognize recognize the process that goes on that. Hey, it started off with just making out. And then, you know, he started moving his hand around and, and then they don't. And it becomes this reactive choice that they don't realize that they set themselves up yeah. to to go into it. It um, felt good. Yeah, it felt good. And so you, you their body just reacted. They reacted. Um, then there's the, also the if we're in love, it can't be wrong. 
And and so a lot of times you'll have your kids that they're going, but I love him or I love her, yeah. right? So it can't be wrong. And they they somehow believe that love makes sex holy and allowable. And and it's that's again that's a thing from the culture. So as a parent, you have to be ready to address that because more love doesn't mean more physical intimacy. That's yeah. that's probably one of the biggest things you can help them understand oh, that. Yeah. Like, and especially as a as a married parent, so you're able to help them see that um, you know more love doesn't mean more physical intimacy. More love means greater growth as a couple and something on a level way more than the physical. Yeah, and in even showing them how to express love in a more healthy way. Because you can express love in so many different ways. And I'm sure you as a parent, you can help them see what that looks like. Because I think right now the teenager only sees physical intimacy as an expression of love. But there's so many other different ways. Love letters, figuring out what their love language is, using that love language, you know, doing all, all those sorts, sorts of things. Yeah. Um, and then the last one that becomes more of a proactive choice is you, you have a, a teenager that because they're listening to community, because they have conviction and they're saying, I want to be careful with what I hold to be the purpose and the value and the high, they become more proactive and they say, hey, I'm going to have more of a let's set boundaries choice. And that's really what you're hoping that your your kids will have. But you can't assume they have that, which is why we keep saying that you need to dialogue and talk through this with them. And so so this is where it's good to ask the question, and Cliff, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. What would you say is the difference between students being reactive or proactive with their boundaries? Yeah. Um, so students ask me all the time, like, what boundaries look like? And the first thing I tell them is be smart. So if if you've talked with your significant other or your students talk to their significant other and they're like, um, I don't want to get past gear two. If you Listen to our last episode to hear what that talks about. Okay, that means that you're not in a room by yourselves with the door closed. Be mm-hmm. smart. Um, that also means that the lights aren't off because as soon as the lights off, all bets are off, right? As soon as the lights are not on, um, your temptation goes through the roof. And especially if the door's closed, closed that's that's not a good thing. So with with being proactive with our boundaries, we say, hey, I'm not going to turn off the lights. I'm not going to close the door. I'm going to hang out in a public setting. When we go on dates, it's going to be at the golf course where everybody can see us. You know, we're not going to go to a, you know, even going to a drive-in movie. Oh, it's a public place. Nah, it's pretty private. Like no, <laughs> nobody looks at any other cars except, except for the movie screen. So um, those are kind of my quick tips. And what I tell students is be smart. If you don't want to go past this line, then don't allow temptation to come up so far into your heart that you just give in because temptation is really hard to say no to. You know, the only person that was able to say no to temptation, Jesus Christ. So we're not Jesus. So let's not try to be Jesus. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That is well said. Uh, I've heard other people talk about, um, they say, keep four feet on the floor, right? So if there's two of you, all four of your feet should be on the floor. What if you can't count to four? (laughs) Your weight, your weight shouldn't be on each other in any way, and uh, and then they say keep your bed or your couch, your bed or your couch, and so that's where like you go, oh yeah, I might lounge on my couch and I might lounge on my couch, you know, with someone next to me. But again, those things become you know pathways, um, keeping everything buttoned or zipped. You know, those are obviously key pieces um, in terms of the more clothes you keep on, the better. Um, again, I don't think you have to be extreme and have like eight layers. But it's, again, just recognizing that there's stuff that starts happening when anything becomes uh, exposed. Uh, keep your tongue in your own mouth. 
It's that's something that uh, is uh, good to remind. I mean, again, we talked about that piece already, but uh, but I think what also helps to me on a little bit of a deeper level is is again helping them understand the concepts that play into all of this. And again, these realities like helping your son or daughter understand that when you're thinking of boundaries, whether it's reactive or proactive, you have to acknowledge that sex makes a soul connection, and it's more than just an orgasm. It's yeah. emotionally complex. Yep. It's spiritually complex, and it's always more than a private or personal thing. Yep. So a lot of students, when they've made the mistake or when they've went and done done it already, they've forgotten that piece, which is why it becomes a, a big piece. This is not just a private personal thing. It's going to have widespread implications, and that's going to affect your future relationships. Um, and so that's why you really want them to start thinking, hey, when I get into those heated moments, those times earlier we talked about, Something within you has to blare that what you're doing, if done outside the right context and timing within marriage, it's going to impact others, you know? And and that's where it's, I, you know, biblically, where I always end up trying to remind people is to, to go back to the fact that at least biblically and in ancient Israel, sexual intercourse was marriage. So yeah. to them, you consummated the marriage when you had sexual intercourse. So if they've went and done that in, in one way, in a biblical sense, it's like going, you're married. Because it's more than just a uh, – and I know we don't view it that way nowadays in our culture, but it's more than just a piece of paper or or something before a judge or a pastor yeah. or a priest. It's something that to them, it was that big of a deal. And yep. so to, to help them understand that, but then also to help them understand – and this is what you were talking about with the, the pleasure piece, people wanting to experience just feeling good, is that sex releases chemicals that make you want it more. Mm-hmm. And so once you've done it – you want to go experience that more. And so, again, you have to acknowledge that yep. going into whether you're going to be reactive or proactive. Um, and then and that there's things that become fuse shorteners, that there's a, there's a steady stream of choices that weaken people's sexual integrity, and they're the quiet daily choices, the patterns, the places, or the people that slowly move them to a, a sense of like it's just going to happen, right? And that's what kind of some of the choices um, end up becoming. And so, uh, and, and then I think the biggest piece that you have to disassemble before it even gets to it is the aspect of students believing that they're the exception. Hmm. What right? do you mean by that? Well, what I, what I, what I believe is that, uh, a lot of people think that I'm the person that this isn't going to be a problem for me. Mm. I know it happens to 99% Good of point. other guys or girls, yeah. but that I'm the person that we're not going to mess up. We're yeah. not going to. And I think that mentality itself just automatically sets them up for failure. And then what happens, I think this is what's even scarier to me, is that then they have sex and they go and they tell their parents. And usually like we're we're disappointed, but we're still forgiving and grace, gracious, which we're supposed to be. Yeah. But because there wasn't a lightning bolt from heaven, because there wasn't this immediate, like maybe even like, hey, there was no child, there's no sexually transmitted disease. They go, this can't be that bad. Yeah. Because I didn't see God do something immediately because I, I had sex. But then again, this is the stuff we were talking about. It affects what happens later. Yeah. And that's what they tend to dismiss because they're looking in the now. Yeah. And so And yeah. here's and here's what's interesting with every almost every teenage relationship. I'm I'm a type of person, Pastor Matt's the same way too, where we're we are realists. Um, and we just kind of know uh, how how it's going to look. And if your teenager is in a relationship right now or going to be or has been, any of those things. Um, it is a semi-high likely that they have crossed a boundary line. 
Um, and I don't like being the person to, to give you that information, but it is true. Um, a boundary line that maybe they told you that they set with their significant other, it probably has been passed at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if you have created a relationship um, in an atmosphere in your home where your teen can tell you things, um, that's awesome. Cultivate that relationship because yes. when they come up to you and say, mom, dad, I did this with my significant other. I feel terrible. Can you help me with it? That's where you say, hey, you know, you did something wrong. Guess what? I still love you. Guess what? God still loves you, but you're better than this. And you can help them. Okay, if this happened and this is what led up to it, let's make sure those things that led up to it did not happen again. Yeah. Okay, if you guys were home alone, well, that's that's the parents' fault for leaving you home alone. You know, like it's it's one of those things that like we have to unfortunately expect that conversation for our teen to come up to us and say, hey, we messed up. Yeah. And that leads to the question that I'm sure a lot of you are wondering, which is, should parents set the boundaries for their teens? Ah, that's a great question. You know, like, should they say, you know, you can't date until you're this age or you can't kiss? Yeah. Or you. I couldn't kiss until I was 16. Yeah. And I actually met that boundary. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> you're welcome, parents. This is the sound of me clapping for you. Yeah. And that's, but it is something, I mean, just so you guys know, I mean, it is awesome when you have youth pastors, youth leaders that are able to confidently talk about the fact that. They maintain this and they are thriving still in their lives and in their relationships um, because your students need more models of that. Um, I I think both Cliff and I believe that you are able to set boundaries. And I think the big, big delineation is with your teen, not just for your teen. Mm, That's good. And and I think that's just the real big piece of you need to be talking with them at such a level that they are making the decisions with you because they understand some of these things that we're talking about with you on the podcast um, that you want them to understand when they think is the best age. And that might be something that you revisit multiple times. You can't just have a conversation with your son or daughter when they're 13 and then expect expect to never bring it up again until they're 16, if you made a rule of 16. Like yeah. you should be constantly, because different students age and mature at different rates. And so That's they true. might be like, actually, I feel like I could nurture friendships now better is it okay if I nurture? And that's where just the fact that that dialogue's happening becomes big. But then especially sexually, it starts becoming an aspect of saying, um, hey, what do you think are the right boundaries that you want to create? And that's where it's sometimes good to even go through scenarios, with your son or daughter. Yeah. Something like, that parents, try him out. You know, like, yeah. hey, like what what happens if he invites you to hang out and his parents go to bed early and you guys are watching a show out on the couch? What what are you gonna do to you know, because lots of times they're not thinking about that. Yeah. And and you have to kind of come around that multiple times to to help them weigh this. Um and sometimes we can be overreactive as parents. Right. Because we go, I don't want to make the same. I don't want you to make the same mistakes I did. That Mm -hmm. you might be a parent that you're like, I did not know Christ before I was in college or as an adult. And so I made a lot of mistakes. And so you're, you're almost overly protective, which in one way is super beautiful because God is using you now to shape your sons or daughters to be better men and women of God. But it's, and when I say better men or women of God, not better than you. But like that they won't have the same repercussions or implications from that. Yeah. But that's where you- Because we don't want our, our son or daughter to hurt. Yeah. We don't yeah. want that. So we're going to try to protect them as much as we can. But then sometimes when we protect them so much, we hold on way too tight. Yeah. And so it just creates more dialogue again. Yeah. You're, I hope the one thing you're hearing out of both of these episodes is that the more dialogue and conversation, the better. And asking questions. Yeah. Asking. And I know some of you, you feel like your kids won't talk to you yeah. right now. 
and and that's where like we want to pray with you mm-hmm. for that that there would be breakthrough and that there would be a greater trust and confidence that your kids want to your teens want to um because you don't want them to just be talking about it with their peers they yeah. will because there's part of a social bonding and companionship happening there but you want them to feel safe enough to to be able to to do that and talk with you um and to help them rethink how they approach relationships like and 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 if they haven't thought about it to think about it for the first time um a few more questions that you can ask in that conversation that you have with your your son or daughter like how how sexual will i be in the way i dress or speak you know that we can talk, have another whole episode about what it looks like to present ourselves when we go to school or or a date or anything like that or online or online. Um, you know, another question is how much of the of the real me am I going to let people see? You know, like are they are they going to see just this sexual piece about me, or are you going to let them understand who you are in your heart? You know, um, and then another question is: Is it appropriate to talk sexy and admire each other's bodies while simply dating? Um, you know, and that's the reality of today. You know, you, you go on a date and you're like, man, you're, you're honestly, your butt looks good, you know, or man, you, your body looks really nice in that dress. Or the, the girl says something about how nice his arms are. I get that all the time. <laughs> you're going to have to cut out my laughing. That was so good. Um, but we have to be, we have to help our teenagers see that how they present themselves or how they even communicate about what their body looks makes them, their minds think, oh man, I want, I want more. I want more. Yeah. Especially with the, is it appropriate to talk sexy and admire each other's bodies? Um, I, I mean, a lot of you parents know this, but you have to be very aware that this whole thing about sending pictures to each other, sending nudes. It's real. Um, it's it's real, and it's such a, a, a dangerous and risky thing that a lot of your parents be like, well, yeah, of course. Um, but just to understand that, like, because they're looking for that companionship that we talked about in the episode previously, because they're looking for identity value, um, and because they believe from the, the world's concepts that sexuality and sex is going to bring a, a greater completion, they want that affirmation. And yeah. so and so again like you have to talk with them on is it appropriate or is it appropriate to say things like hey I love this part of your body or I love being embraced by you just even that type of language again that's stuff that when we go back to the gear analogy from the last episode that's stuff that comes earlier that yeah. stuff or sorry that's stuff that usually is happening when people are in a married relationship and should that be happening when they're dating I I don't think it can but you have to talk with them about that and then just to close it down um, if you kind of feel like, man, I cannot break through, I don't have this relationship with my son or daughter, this is again, like Cliff mentioned, where the church partners. Yep, And absolutely. so we have a lot of men and women, um, youth leaders in our church, other men and women that are mentors, that there are people you can direct them to have those conversations. Yep. Sometimes it's just, it's just not there. And, but that's where the body of Christ comes alongside of one another. So we probably raised just as many questions as things that we probably tried to answer. Um, one of the things we want you to be aware of is that Pastor Cliff, myself, we have a lot of different resources that we would love to share with you. Yep. We've taught on these things before in the youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, usually the middle school and the high school ministry are constantly, once or twice a year, addressing this with your teens. So you can always email Pastor Cliff to know when they're going to be talking about it in the high school ministry at cwoodward at bridgeway 
woodward.church. That's W-O-O-D-W-A-R-D. Hey, you spelled my last name right. Good yeah. job. Um, and just so you guys know, if you didn't know, he's Cliff Woodward the fourth. Fifth. The fifth. The fifth. And he just added a number, I think. Nope. No, he is I'm the, the fifth. fifth. And so, but that's not on his email. So Woodward at bridgeway.church. Um, or if there's other resources that you want us to send you, it, you can email mbach at bridgeway.church church as well. So but we want B-A-C-H. B-A-C-H, not B-O-C-K. And uh, <laughs> we are having some fun here. And uh, and then, you know, just we want to thank you again for listening to our Engaging Parenting podcast. Um, please, if you haven't looked at the other episodes, go back and look at them and also recommend it to people. We hope that this can be a useful tool to equip you as parents and help you navigate this very complex but very important season of your son or daughter's yep. lives. And so we hope to see you here next time as you engage with Engaging Parenting. Thank you for listening to the Engaging Parenting Podcast, hosted by Pastor Matt Bach and Pastor Cliff Woodward, presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. For more information about Bridgeway and other content, visit bridgeway.church.